Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. All right, well, let's talk about identity a little bit this morning. Um, Identity is vital to our Christian walk. So as we get into this this morning, know who you are and what you're about. A lot of what we heard this morning is our identity is something we possess or something we do or, you know, and that's a big part of identity. It really is. Uh, Know who you are and what you're about. And I want to read something here. Openness and honesty ruled in the Garden of Eden until Adam and Eve embraced a false identity. Once they embraced a false identity, it changed their destiny. Your destiny is directly tied to your identity. When you have your identity in Christ Jesus, you'll know what you're about. You got that? You'll know what you're about. And when you know what you're about, God has a place for you in your church family. When you embrace a false identity, now catch this, when you embrace a false identity, the devil has a place for you in your church family as well. When you embrace a false identity, the devil has a place for you in your church family as well. You're like, how can that be? Well, it's, it, it happens. It happens all the time. That's why the Bible continues to tell us things like in Galatians 5, Uh, verses 13 through 15. We'll just read that. I got a new Bible I'm anxious to show off. Galatians 5, 13. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, but whatever, whatever we have up there, go ahead and put it up there. For you have been called to live in freedom. When you have your identity, you'll know what you're about. What you're about is you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Am I in the right place? Yes, I am. Okay. Love your neighbor as yourself, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Um, Do you realize that as churchgoers, we can just easily shift from one position that we hold 
to a sudden other position and start biting and devouring one another. It happens. It happens a lot in church. See, the devil has a place for us as well when we have embraced a false identity. But our true identity is we live in freedom, we walk in freedom, we manifest freedom, and we can, in that freedom, love one another. Another way you can tell if you've braced a false identity is this. Let's say that there's somebody in church here that you haven't really got to know real well, and you really like them, and you think certain thoughts about them, and they're, in your mind, I don't know, maybe you don't do this, but on first impressions, and you can almost read into that person what you want them to be. You, you can uh, project on them what you think they are, and then you find out that they're not that, or you find out that they have a, a secret sin, or you find out that they're just not what they portray themselves to be, and suddenly you no longer look at them in the same light. Suddenly you think less of them. Boy, I thought so much of them over here, and then I learned about them, and now I just don't think that much about them anymore. I think less of them. You have embraced a false identity. Jesus Christ, when he was brought the woman caught in adultery and brought before him, he didn't think less of her all of a sudden. He didn't go, oh, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with you now. I had high, high regard for you. He pursued her, and he showed her the love of God that could transform her. That is our, when we're walking in our tra uh, true identities and we've embraced the identity, yeah. your destiny will be to transform those that you're around. Yeah. It will have a vital effect on their lives. You follow me so far? So Philippians chapter 2, first verse, <clears throat> chapter 2, have the attitude of Christ. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of, yourself, of others as better than yourselves. Yeah. Think of others more highly than you do of your own self. That is a tough scripture to follow through with. But it's not hard when you're identifying with who you are in Christ. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. <clears throat> I was uh, reading the Word the other day, just kind of cruising through the Bible, 
I like to play a lot of Bible roulette. Uh, you know, I, I have a, a scheduled reading, but sometimes that can become a little mundane. It's kind of like there's something in me that says, I, I want to be spontaneous. Yeah. You know, I want some spontaneity. I, I need something. And so I'm like, Holy Spirit, and I open my Bible, point my finger, and that's called Bible roulette. And uh, I came across this little treasure, little tidbit. The disciples, <laughs> the disciples are talking to Jesus, and they say to him this interesting one little thing. It's found in Matthew and in Luke, but Matthew 6, they says, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Now, prayer was not a strange thing to these disciples. I mean, this was the area they lived in was a hotbed of religion. There were people on every corner espousing their prayers out and, and doing their, their prayers and their, their chants, and it was a very religious time and season. And, and, uh, and Jesus, and they came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They said, uh, John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray, teach us to pray, and you're kind of wondering, well, what did they need? They saw prayer everywhere going on. I find it a very in-depth question when we look at it. What were they asking? It reminds me of the story of the three men, good buddies, that went hunting and they really got themselves in a fix. I mean, big time. They, they lost their GPS. They lost their compass. I mean, they were, they were, they found themselves in dire straits, really troubled times. And they had become hopeless to the degree where they said, does anyone know how to pray? Somebody's calling me. I'm sorry, I'm busy. How do you shut that off? There we go. Anybody know a Lee Anderson? Maybe it was for you. Um, anyway, these three guys, they're out. They're really in a pickle. The weather's changed. They've lost, they're, they're just losing hope, and they've resorted to, maybe we should pray. And they all agree, yes, let's pray. And then they all looked at each other, and they said, well, who knows how to pray? And they were like, I don't know how to pray. And the other one, I don't know how to pray. Finally, the third guy says, well, our kitchen window backs right up to the church next door, and every Tuesday night we hear them praying, so maybe I could do it. And they said, okay, you lead in prayer. And they all bow their heads. And so he's going to repeat what he's heard. And he goes, B3, I11. Thank you for a few laughs. What were they asking? I believe that as they watched Jesus and he would withdraw and he would go and pray, something transformed the atmosphere and they saw that change and they said, what is that? 
And so they said, teach us to pray. Now, Jesus says, okay, I'm going to teach you to pray, and here's how you do it. Here's how it starts. Father in heaven. Think about that. Father in heaven. Not distance, but identity. Father, that's our heavenly Father. Holy is your name. So he's saying prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about relationship. It's about conversation. It's not about form. It's not about fancy words. It's about just gut-level reality. Father, I need your help. I need direction. I need wisdom. I need understanding. I need finances. I need a job. I need a car. Whatever your need might be, but bring it to the Father and start out there in relationship and conversation with Him. <clears throat> Not everybody knows this. I'm going to share it. I've got. Um, my wife and I were having troubles. She would say things to me that I didn't understand. They were foreign. She would say things to me like, We don't communicate well. I'm like, yeah, we do. What's the problem? She'd say that, I don't want to just be an afterthought. What does that mean? I, I want to know that you love me. I'm like, yeah, I told you I loved you when we got married. If anything changes, I'll let you know. But she would say these things, and they didn't penetrate too well. And one day she says, I'm leaving, I'm taking the kids, I'm going to go back east on vacation, but it could be permanent. You figure it out. And if you figure it out, maybe I'll come back. I was shocked. Suddenly I was like, I, I didn't see it coming. It, it was, uh, was there a problem? And uh, I got desperate. I got real desperate. And I remember falling on my knees in our kitchen you know, I mean, I was gutting it through. I was, she'll come back. It'll do that. But deep inside, I was like, there, there's a real problem. I need to hear from God. And I got very desperate. I remember falling on my knees in the kitchen and a deep cry saying, God, I do not know how to love my wife as you want me to. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, I would, 
I would tell her all the time, well, I don't know what your problem is. I go to work, I come home, we have food on the table. What's the problem? I was desperate. I said, God, I don't have that love unless you give it to me. I'm asking you, God. I can't tell you what happened. I can't tell you what changed. All I know is that I had a conversation with my heavenly father. <clears throat> she calls and says, something happened. I'm coming home. It wasn't anything I did except talk to my heavenly father. So these disciples, they're looking at Jesus and they're going, he's going away, he comes back, something's different. We want to know what that is. Teach us to pray. And the first thing he says about, okay, you want to learn to pray? It's about relationship with your father. You see, we get our identities so much. In, in the natural realm, we get our identities from our parents and grandparents. Then we get our identities from our jobs, um, you know, what we do, our careers, um, what we've accomplished. We get identities from what we've accomplished, where we go to school. You know, there's some uh, uh, Wasilla warriors here, and there's some colony knights, and there's some Palmer moose, and there's some homeschool great ones. And, you know, we all have this different thing we grasp onto to help us build an identity. Those are all temporal identities. I remember when our last child left home to go to college. Our identities as parents suddenly shifted to where instead of activity and noise in the household to listening to the clock go tick, tick, tick. And we like, who are we? What do we do now? You see, all identity is that, that is lesser than our identity in our eternity is temporal and is always subject to change. But our identity is so vital. It's quite popular these days to, you know, spit in a bottle and mail it away and find out who your ancestors are. I want to know who my ancestors are. And they come back. And, you know, I know my family all did this, not, not our household, but members of our family did this. And I think they all looked at each other and go, none of us are related, apparently. <laughs> They all had different backgrounds, you know, but so I'm not sure how good that works, but I think there's an innate desire in us to seek our identity. It's been placed there by God. Identif identity, Adam and Eve originally had openness and honesty with the Father until they embraced a false identity. So let's look at the Lord's Prayer. 
He says, Lord, teach us to pray. And again, these disciples were not unfamiliar with prayer. You could go to any street corner in the area and there'd be somebody praying. And Jesus said to them in Matthew, let's, let's look at that, Matthew chapter 6. In uh, verse 5, he says, uh, beginning, teaching about prayer and fasting in verse 5, chapter 6, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. You know, the only people, the unbeliever and the believer alike recognize hypocrites when they see him, right? The only ones that don't recognize hypocrites are hypocrites. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Amen. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Yeah. A number of years ago, uh, there was a, a really good teaching that came out on prayer called, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? Now, at first, I took that as kind of an interesting challenge. Of course I can. How many of us have just all of a sudden said, I'm going to pray an hour. Jesus said to his disciples, Could, couldn't you manage one hour? I'm, I'm at my crisis. I'm at the moment where history is going to be changed, and you guys can't stay awake one hour. Could you not tarry one hour? And so they titled this teaching, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? And it was about the Lord's Prayer. And I thought, how in the world can we pray? Can I pray for an hour? Well, I began to practice this Lord's Prayer from a greater depth of understanding, and it moved from discipline to delight. It moved in my life from just being a laborious thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it no matter what, I'm going to practice it, to suddenly an hour goes by so quickly. I'm like, wow, God, I could just stay here longer. 
lot of things happened that changed in my life during that time. So let's go through this just quickly, and then I've made copies of this prayer guide for everybody that would like one to take home with you today. But this prayer guide directly relates to your identity. When you have your identity, you have authority. Think about that. You have authority. They would see Jesus pray, and they would marvel at his authority. He spoke with authority. He lived in authority. It was this um, spiritual authority. When, uh, when you see someone come up to you and they have a badge of authority on, it says U.S. Marshal, you suddenly are brought to a little bit more of attention because their identity as that and their badge of authority says, you know, you better pay attention, right? Our Father which art in heaven, picture your heavenly Father as you're addressing that. Picture Calvary and picture the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood because it's through that that we have been given access to the Father in heaven. Holy is your name. You know, when we start singing worship songs up here and we get into some that are just holy, holy, I'll tell you, something transforms inside of me. It just rises up and I just get going. A couple weeks ago or last week we were singing and it was a song called, uh, I think, they kept saying forever and ever and ever and ever, amen. And I rose up, I'm going to, it's like, yes, it's going to be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And, and I get excited about that. So as you think of the Lord's name, you think of the benefits that his name are associated with. The name of the Father is Jehovah Sidkenu. He's our righteousness. He's Jehovah Mkadesh. He's our, the God who sanctifies. Sanctifies means you've been set apart for works of holiness. He is Jehovah Shalom. He's your peace. When you don't have peace, go to the Father and say, you are Heavenly Father, you are Jehovah Shalom. You're my peace. He's Jehovah Shama. He's there. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's Jehovah Rophe. He's the Lord who heals. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord who provides, and his provision shall be seen. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's our banner. That banner that says, oh, I know where, I'm not lost. Yeah. You see the banner. You see the banner in every fray. If you're in a fray of life, if you're in, in a test of life, and you're, oh, man, things are getting rough, you look up, you see Jehovah uh, Nisi, our banner, and he's Jehovah Rohi. He's our shepherd. And then he says, that, pray, thy kingdom come, your will be done. And in prayer, you pray for yourself and your family and your children 
your children's children. You pray for your church. Uh, you pray for your nation. Give us this day our daily bread. Be in the will of God. When you're asking God for your daily bread, be in His will. That's yeah. no, serious, folks. Be in His will. Uh, I like being in someone's will. Yeah. Uh, we had a fellow here in the church years ago. Uh, he used to call me like at 2 in the morning, usually from one of the bars. Yeah. And Nancy would go, why do you take his call? I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything else, but I would take his call and pretty soon, you know. But this one time he called, he was really upset with me. He says, I'm cutting you out of my will. I had set a million dollars aside for you, but I've cut you out. I'm mad at you, you know. He didn't have anything, and I just said, well, I'm real disappointed, but that's all right. I love you. <laughs> I like being in the will of the Father. I like being in the will of the Father. Give us this day our daily bread because it is God's will to prosper you. He wants to prosper you. He wants you to be specific. He wants you to be tenacious. And I'm running out of time today. But And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Go back into moving into praise and worship of your heavenly Father. I'm going to pass these out. I'm going to ask everyone to take one and begin to... Ask the Lord, just as the disciples did, teach us to pray. Teach me to pray. Amen? Lord, teach us to pray. And in doing so, this message is not necessarily about prayer, although it's certainly a part of it. It's on our identity in the Heavenly Father. Now, I want to close with this. When you have your eyes on God's love for you, instead of your love for Him, you will stop falling into the disappointment of seeing your imperfections. You see, when we have our focus on Him and how much we're to be loving God, life is, is upset has its ups and downs, and you will see your imperfections. Oh, I, God, I didn't love you enough. Oh, God, I, I wasn't even thinking about you today. But when we have our eyes on the fact He loves us and how much He loves us, then we don't fall into the ups and downs of failure. Amen? All right. Let's all stand and close with a, a song of worship. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.